You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. I remember that feeling. I took a test that I was not prepared for. The grade was bad. And it just so happened, the rest of the class wasn't ready for the test either. Everybody's grade was bad. I remember one particular instance where our teacher passed the test out to everyone. We were all lamenting our bad scores. And she said, now, add 40 points. Mercy. (laughs) And I remember that feeling Mercy. It felt so good. It felt like relief. And did you know that the Bible calls us as followers of Jesus to help other people experience that feeling of relief? The Bible calls us to show Mercy. It's a key aspect of what it means to be a Christian. I want to show you this in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. So turn there with me. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read verse 7. We are working our way through the eight Beatitudes that Jesus shares at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5 verse Seven. When you found your place, I want to ask you this morning if you are physically able to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Some of you may ask, well, what was your score when you added 40 points? That's none of your business. (laughs) Happened a long time ago. All right. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. Blessed are... The merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you so much for this moment where we gather together as a family of faith around your word. We believe that all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. So Holy Spirit, would you do your work of illumination. Open the eyes of our hearts that we would see the truths of Scripture. And grant us, Lord, the gift of inclination. Lord, move us to response. Move us to interact with your Word and let it have its way in our lives. Help us to... Receive with meekness your word today. 
May we be changed. May we be transformed. May we leave today resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delights. Help us, Lord, to leave today resolved to follow hard after Jesus. And we'll thank you and praise you, Lord, for that grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. In chapters 5 through 7, we have the Sermon on the Mount, a sermon that Jesus preached near the beginning of his three-year public ministry. He begins this sermon with an introductory section that we call the Beatitudes. Uh, that word Beatitudes comes from the Latin for the word blessed. You notice there are eight blessings pronounced here. We're working our way through these blessings one by one. And these blessings are simply characteristics of kingdom citizens that lead to true fulfillment in life. These are, these are things that ought to show up in our lives in increasing ways. And if these things are growing in our lives, there are blessings attached to them. So it's a, a, a powerful description of what a follower of Jesus' uh, Jesus's life ought to look like. Like Now, often I'll have someone come up to me after the service or during the week and they'll say, Preacher, you stepped on my toes this week. Boy, that, you really stepped on my toes, saying that the Word of God was convicting. Well, here's what you don't understand, or you, you may understand, but I need to remind you that I study this passage all week long. So the Lord's stepping on my toes all week. And I just want to say... That as I've thought through these Beatitudes, this has been one of the most personally challenging passages of Scripture I've dealt with in some time. The Lord's really challenged me in these different areas. God has used these Beatitudes in my life. And that is true of the idea of mercy. Where Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Now I told you that these Beatitudes are interconnected. And they, in some ways, build on one another. We've studied the first four Beatitudes. And we've seen that we are blessed if we exhibit poverty of spirit. We're blessed if we mourn over sin and its effect in our lives. We're blessed if we come to a place of meekness and surrender to the Lord and gentleness towards others. In other words... Uh, blessings 1 through 3 or Beatitudes 1 through 3 are, are about being emptied of self. There's a blessing when you empty yourself of self. And then the fourth Beatitude is, I'm pursuing God's ways. Last week we saw that blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. So when you are empty of self and you are pursuing God's ways, it just makes sense or it follows naturally that this begins to affect your relationships with others. You can't pursue Jesus and it not affect the way you treat other people. Amen? And so it's very natural that the next beatitude is, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I want to just show you two facets of this verse that we need to consider and think about in reference to our own lives. The first facet of this verse is this, the call to mercy. The call to mercy. 
Jesus says, blessed are the merciful. In other words, if you are a citizen of the kingdom, mercy should be a growing characteristic in your life. Blessed are the merciful. What is mercy? Mercy is concern, compassion for others in need that moves someone to action. Or more simply put, mercy is compassion in action. Mercy is compassion in action. And it's important to note that this attribute is exhibited or possessed by God Himself. In fact, one of the most important Theological verses in the Old Testament is found in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. Moses cries out to God, Show me your glory. I want to know you more, God. I want to know you in a deeper, fuller way. And so God hides him in the cleft of the rock. And God's presence passes before the rock. And Moses can't look directly into the face of God and live. But as God passes by, covered in that cleft... The Lord proclaims some things about himself. And in Exodus 34, verse 6, it says, The Lord proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God, listen, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. When God describes himself... When God unveils His glory, He uses the word mercy. He's a merciful God. We see this clearly in the New Testament as well. For example, over in Ephesians chapter 2, we are told of our desperate spiritual condition apart from Christ. The Bible says, You are dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Apart from Christ, we are dead. We are, we are spiritually dead and unable to revive ourselves. What do we need? We need God's mercy. And listen to what it says in the next verse. But God. You were dead. I was dead. Far from God. Unable to save ourselves. But God. Listen. Being rich in mercy. Because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Aren't you glad for the mercy of God? Let me tell you one more verse that speaks of His mercy. And there are many. But Titus chapter 3, verse 5 says this, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness. In other words, He didn't save us because we deserve it. We are spiritually impoverished. We bring nothing to the table but our sin. He didn't save us because we are good. Why did He save us? It says, according to His own 
mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. The reason God in His compassion provided a way of salvation for you and for me is because of His great mercy. God choosing not to give us what we deserve, but making a way for us to be saved, forgiven, reconciled to a holy God. It was because of His mercy that God saw our spiritual plight. It was because of God's mercy that He understood that apart from Christ, we could not save ourselves. And because of His mercy, He sent His his only Son, His one and only Son to this earth, And Jesus came to this earth, and because of God's mercy, Jesus went to the cross and bore your sin and shame and my sin and shame and absorbed the wrath of God in our place, paying the penalty for our sins. Because of God's mercy, God provided a way that we could be forgiven. The way of the cross. This term, mercy... The Greek word is eleos, was used in ancient Greek as a judicial term. It was used by the defense before a judge. And the defense, in their closing speech, would ask the judge for eleos or for mercy. The final speech was all about that. The final speech of the defending lawyer was to awaken the compassion of the judge. Eleos, mercy. And isn't it good news that you and I can look into the face of the judge of the universe and see mercy? Mercy that provides a Savior. Mercy that provides a way of forgiveness and eternal life. It's an attribute possessed by God Himself. It's also characteristic, uh, a characteristic that Christ's followers should possess. Blessed are the merciful, Jesus says. This is an attribute or characteristic of kingdom citizens. And there's a a parable, a story that Jesus told that really illustrates what mercy looks like. So, So hold your place, but turn over to Luke chapter 10 with me. Luke chapter 10. Many will recognize this story as the story of the Good Samaritan. Jesus Tells a lawyer he's to love the Lord God with his heart, soul, and mind and strength. And to love his neighbor as himself. And the lawyer says, well, who's my neighbor? In other words, who do I have to love? Who do I have to love? Or the implication is, who can I get away with not loving? And listen to how Jesus answers that question. Jesus in verse 30 of Luke 10 replies, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, a religious leader, 
when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. He made a wide berth around the man in need. So likewise, a Levite, another religious leader, the tribe that provided the priests for the priesthood. A Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side, a wide berth around the man in need. But a Samaritan, Jesus makes a Samaritan here the hero of the story. A Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, watch this, he had, what's that word there? Compassion. That word compassion is the word splanknon in the Greek language. It speaks of, of, of a deep down feeling. It's like saying that, that I have feelings for you that come from deep down on the inside. That's, that's what that word means. And this Samaritan has compassion. And look in verse 34. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three, Jesus asked, do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Jesus says this good Samaritan is a picture of mercy. And in verse 33, we see his compassion. In verse 37, we see his action. He showed him mercy. He helped him. He bound up his wounds. He provided for his needs. He cared for this man in need. Compassion and action. So mercy is compassion in action. I love this quote from A.W. Pink. He says, this mercy is something more than a feeling. It is an operative principle. Listen to this. It not only stirs the heart, but it moves the hand to render help unto those in need. Mercy stirs your heart for others that have needs in their life. Compassion. But but mercy, true mercy, biblical mercy, Christ-like mercy, also moves your hand to help, to alleviate their suffering, to care for their needs. That's what mercy is. You might ask the question, well, how can I show mercy as a follower of Jesus? What are some specific areas that I'm called to show mercy in? Well, there are at least three more, but there are three that are explicitly mentioned in the Scriptures. First, there's mercy in benevolence. There's mercy in benevolence. By benevolence, I mean people that have needs in their life. The suffering, the down and out. Those that are going through difficult times. Over in Proverbs 14, 21, the Bible says, Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner. The, the implication there is, is turns their back to their neighbor that has some needs in their life. But... He who is generous to the needy honors him. When you are generous to someone that has needs in their life, you are in reality or ultimately honoring God himself. And so the Bible says there is mercy in benevolence. 
that we are on the lookout for those that have needs and we want to do everything we can to help them. There's mercy in benevolence. There's also mercy in evangelism. Mercy in evangelism. Evangelism is the word we use for the idea of simply sharing the good news with those that need to be saved. That's what evangelism means. It means to proclaim the good news that Jesus died on the cross, He was buried, and early on the third day He rose from the grave to give us victory over sin and death. And if anyone, if anyone turns from their sin and places their faith in Christ alone, they will be saved, forgiven, reconciled to God, given the hope and promise of heaven. It's good news that there is life eternal and life abundant for everyone who believes in Christ. And we who are followers of Jesus should have a a compassion for those who are not. And a desire to share that good news so they can experience the life that we experience. Listen to what it says in Jude 21 and 23. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And, listen, have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Jude says that one of the ways that you and I can exhibit mercy as a characteristic in our Christian lives is by snatching people from the fires of hell and introducing them to King Jesus who brings them into life. It's a merciful thing when you share with someone how they can experience salvation. What would we say of someone that possessed the cure to cancer? And kept it to themselves. We would say that's morally repugnant. It's evil to not share this cure with others so they can be cured of their disease. What's to be said of us? When we do not open our mouths and share with people how they can be cured of sin and death and separation from God. How they can experience salvation through Jesus Christ. It's a merciful thing to share the good news. The old hymn says, rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful. Jesus will save. There's mercy in benevolence. There's mercy in evangelism. There's mercy in forgiveness. If you'll allow me a moment, I'm going to meddle for just a second, okay? I'm going to meddle. Or let me say it like this. We're going to let the Lord step on our toes a little bit right now. Because one thing to say, yes, Wade, we should, we should help others that have needs. Amen. Yes, Wade, we should share the gospel with others that are lost. Amen. But did you know there's mercy when you forgive someone that has personally offended you? 
And the Bible calls you to show that mercy. Over in Matthew 18, Jesus shares this parable about a man who was forgiven a a tremendous debt. I mean, he uses some biblical terminology, but it'd be something like millions of dollars. And this man owes millions of dollars and he's forgiven of his debt. And he's excited. Forgiven of my great debt. I don't have to pay it. I'm free. You can imagine how good that would feel. And then uh, an acquaintance comes up to him and says, Hey, listen, listen, I know I owe you 20 bucks, but I don't have it right now. And the man who had just been forgiven of the million dollars flies into a rage. You don't have my 20 bucks? And he wants to throw him into prison. Jesus uses this story as a striking contrast to show us that it looks ridiculous to be forgiven of much and then refusing to forgive others that have, that have offended you. It's incongruent for us to say, Yes, God, thank you for forgiving me of everything I've ever done wrong. Thank you for washing away my sin and my guilt and my shame. I've blown it over and over and over. But Jesus died for my sins. He shed his blood for my sins. My sins are washed away. Oh, it's good to be forgiven. It's good to be free. Jesus paid it all. And then, in some relationship, someone has offended you. Someone has hurt you. And you say, you know what? I know I enjoy God's forgiveness. But I'm not going to extend that forgiveness to you. It just doesn't make sense. It looks like the man who'd been forgiven millions of dollars wouldn't forgive 20 bucks. It just doesn't make sense. And listen how Jesus sums up his parable in Matthew 18 verse 33. He says, Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? In other words, if you've experienced my mercy, Jesus says, you should extend mercy to others. New Testament scholar John Noland writes this, Mercy does not concern itself with strict calculation of deserts, trying to get back at people. It allows people to make a fresh start and often involves forgiveness and the release of others from their indebtedness. In other words, a very practical way you can be merciful is by forgiving those that have offended you. That's what the Bible says. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying there's a cost involved, an emotional uh, emotional toll to pay. But if you have enjoyed and experienced the forgiveness of God, then you should be willing to extend forgiveness to others. If we expect mercy, we should extend mercy. If we have Gained mercy, we should give mercy. If we've been showered with mercy, we should show mercy. And that's where the rubber meets the road. 
is for followers of Christ to say, I've been hurt. I've been wounded. I've been mistreated. I've been maligned. There's a a fracturing of relationship. But how can I withhold mercy when God has been so merciful to me? This is real Christianity. Not just Sunday and coming to church and singing songs and listening to sermons and shaking hands. But this is real life stuff. These are real relationships. Real people. And we're called to extend real mercy. In the area of forgiveness. I use the model prayer from Matthew chapter 6 as my kind of guideline for praying. Our Father is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. I'll, I'll quote that part of the prayer and I'll spend some time just asking God to meet needs in my life and in the lives of my loved ones and others. Then I come to the next part of that prayer. Forgive us our trespasses. I'll spend some time asking God to forgive me where I failed Him. To forgive me where I've messed up. To forgive me for my shortcomings as a follower of Jesus. And then the next line says, As we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And in that moment of my prayer, I ask God to examine my heart. And I say, Lord, is there anyone in my life that's offended me or... Or mistreated me, and I'm just holding a grudge. I just, I just, don't, I just don't like them very much because the way they were to me. Is there anyone in my life like that? And if there is, by God's grace, I ask God to just help me to, to live in positional forgiveness. Even if they don't come and ask for forgiveness. Even if they don't know they've offended me. And that happens sometimes. Even if they don't know they've offended me in my heart, I say... I forgive them. I don't want to hold on to this any longer. Do you see the genius in the prayer of Jesus? The model prayer? Forgive me, Lord. I want to accept your forgiveness as I extend forgiveness to others. So there is the call to mercy. Blessed are the merciful. It's what practically mercy looks like in our lives. But but very quickly, the second facet of this passage is this. The blessing of mercy. When you show mercy, there's blessing in that. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the merciful. For, he says, they shall receive mercy. The blessing for the merciful is you get more mercy. So here's the simple question. How do those who are merciful receive mercy? First of all, Very simply put, the law of sowing and reaping. Over in Galatians chapter 6, the Bible says that what a a person sows, that they will also reap. And if if you're a person that is 
that is merciful to others. You're sowing mercy in your relationships. You're sowing mercy in your family. You're sowing mercy in your church family. You're sowing mercy in your community. If that's the kind of person you are, God has built a a law into the rhythm of the universe that when you sow that mercy, mercy will come back to you. You will reap mercy. God put it in place. That's just the way it works. If you show mercy, you should expect to receive mercy. But if you sow discord and anger and vitriol and backbiting and slander and meanness and temper, stubbornness, if you sow those things, don't be surprised when they come back to you. And so when we show mercy, we experience the law of sowing and reaping that the Lord talks about in Galatians chapter 6. But we also have the expectation of reciprocal mercy from God. In other words, God in a very special, intentional, pointed way, a direct way, shows mercy to those that show mercy. Listen to what it says over in 2 Samuel 22. This is in a praise song that David wrote. It's also in the Psalms as well. David says, with the merciful, you show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you show yourself blameless. In other words, God takes note. And God sees you when you show mercy. Mercy and benevolence, mercy and evangelism, mercy and forgiveness. He sees it. He sees it. And nothing we do for the glory of King Jesus goes unnoticed. Amen? And the Bible says, David says in a praise song, when when someone is merciful, God, you show them mercy. And listen, I don't know about you, I need God's mercy in my life. Am I the only one? And so how do, we, how do the merciful receive mercy, the law of sowing and reaping, the expectation of reciprocal mercy from God? I read a story about a, a past emperor of Russia, Peter the Great. He was a little bit eccentric. And one time he decided to put on old garments and to play the part of a beggar. And he left the, the palace and he went out into a surrounding village And in these beggars' clothes, he went door to door asking for help. One after another, they'd close the door. One after another, they'd close the door. Until, finally, one man who was very poor himself showed him some kindness, tried to help him, tried to feed him, and showed him mercy. Peter the Great walked away in his beggars' clothes And the man who was in real poverty closed his door and thought nothing more of it. The next morning, he hears a commotion outside. And he opens the door and he sees the king's carriage. And there's a decree from the king. Come to the palace and live. Come and experience the best that the king has to offer. And this poor man who just showed simple kindness and mercy felt 
the mercy of the king poured out upon him. The goodness of the king poured out upon him as he lived in his palace. And that's an earthly picture of what it looks like to be merciful. If you are a merciful person by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit in you, if you are a merciful person, you can expect the King's mercy. And listen to me, the King, our great King, He's not stingy with His mercy. He he pours it out. And here's my question. Don't you want to walk around with God's mercy on your life? Don't you want to experience this day by day by day? Don't you want people looking at you saying, I I, I can't figure it out. I don't know what's going on, but something's going on in their life. And what they are seeing is God's specific, pointed, direct mercy poured out on you. Don't you want to walk around with the mercy of God? The prescription for that is very, very simple. Blessed are the merciful. For they shall receive mercy. Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's word. May the Lord richly bless you.